Hello, my name is Dave Entz, pastor at 188 Community Church, and you are listening to Life Together. I know, it's like, and Lisa puts her hand in front of her mouth and starts like, I'm thinking that's me in deep thought because they can see me. (laughs) Write that down, and whenever anybody asks you down. I did write it down, actually, on my last name, but... (laughs) I wasn't thinking that until you just said it right now. He looked at me like you're not... I hope you have friends in your life that when you get together, there's always lots of laughter and general merrymaking. As you can tell from those few laughing outtakes, that's true of the people I'm talking with today. There was a whole bunch of those that we had to edit out as we were putting this podcast together. Today we're listening to the story of my friends Chris and Lisa, and it's always fun to get together with them. They are going to share their story as a couple, a couple who have come out of homelessness and and addictions, significant addictions, and found their way into sober, stable living. And I like their story. I, I like their story a lot because they touch on what I believe is a universal issue, a universal question. What does it take for us to break out of harmful, destructive habits and patterns, things that we know are not good for us? Why are there times when nothing we do seems to work for us to get free of these things? And then for whatever reason, we come to our senses and something starts working and we we start working towards change. What kind of forces or circumstances need to align in order for this to happen? It's a bit of a mystery, it seems to me. And I don't think we we solve that mystery today, but I do believe that these two, that Chris and Lisa have something to add to the conversation. And so we're going to listen to their story uh, today and uh, and listen to where life has taken them and, and how they have worked at this together and how God has been a part of that. And so I pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to them. And I hope that that as we take time to listen to and hear each other more, as is kind of the point of this podcast, we can grow together in unity and understanding, trying to make trying to make even just our little part of the world a better place. Well, here we are sitting in the upper room at 188 with uh, with my friends Chris and Lisa. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. It's great to have you here. So we were just talking just previously before we started recording how long we've known each other, about six, maybe seven years, who knows, five years, give or take. Well, it's got to be more than five. It's got to be more than five because... All right. So anyways, it's definitely been a while. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. That's good. So we've known each other, let's let's say six, let's settle on six and a half. How long have you guys been together? I don't know, something like nine, eight, nine years now. Like it's that. hard to nail down an exact date, but uh, yeah, I'm sure Lisa remembers the story how we met pretty well. Well, how did how did you meet? How did you meet? <laughs> he tried to run me over with a cup of coffee. He tried to run you over with a cup of coffee. Yes. Well, you don't stand right behind someone when they're getting coffee okay, and then they turn around. Okay, mission. They have like those coffee pots, like the four, right. whatever, right by the ramp, and everybody lines up. But this one was like, yeah, okay, I don't care who's behind me, and like swung around and like almost knocked hot coffee on me. <laughs> and that was the start of uh, More or less. <laughs> I guess it kind of went a little after that because I pretty much just apologized for almost running her over with a cup of coffee and went back and sat down and... But like complained. Well, who stands right behind you when you have coffee? Yeah. Like, well, everybody does? in the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, uh, yeah, you got to take things all in stride, you know, like a, as a whole. Yeah. And as a whole, it's definitely been beautiful. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely ugly moments in, in life and in every relationship, but uh, it's how you work through that that I mean, makes things actually beautiful. Me. You know, like gardening, <laughs> sure. pretty much, right? Yeah. There's some stuff you got to go through before you get like an end product of a beautiful rose or something. So Yeah, absolutely. That's a good analogy. I like that. I like that. So what would you say, so you have this, this strange encounter being run over by a cup of coffee without any laying blame about whose fault was it that it should have been standing where, well, yeah, okay. So what would you say brought you together? Cause you, so you're both staying at Salome at the time or were you living somewhere else? I was homeless. You were homeless. I'm living at Salome and like bouncing off the couches. Okay. Yeah, pretty much almost the same state except for less couches. Okay. And so then you, you jumped into a relationship. What, what brought you together? Like what, when, you, when you look at each other, what is it that, that brings you guys oh together? I'm not even really sure. She was kind. I remember that because I remember being on the wall. Yeah, I remember she was kind because she gave me a uh, blanket on the wall. Uh, you had to stay outside back in the day. Not that long ago, but yeah, if you wanted the spot, you to, like, like a bed inside. Right. Stand up on that wall, so it was like snowing that day, and I was like, here, I have an extra blanket. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's nice. That's good. Yeah, just like, I really don't remember any like official start date. It just kind of like grew organically, I guess. December yeah. 7th. Oh, there you go. I don't know why you're whispering. <laughs> yeah. December 7th. So people at home have to listen really closely. <laughs> yes, okay. So Chris doesn't remember any official start date, and then Lisa. But I mean that pipes changes. December seventh. Yeah, no. It's no. hard to keep track. Let's jump way ahead. Let's jump to present day. So you got a, you're, you're living in your place on on the place where you live. You're working these days, Chris. Yeah, where, yeah. Where do you work? Uh, downtown Winnipeg News. Okay. Okay. I've been there for three and a half, almost four years. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, that's great. And you enjoying it? I, I, I enjoy it. I sometimes like to think, well, not that I like to think, but I think sometimes we're part of the problem downtown because <laughs> people can just kind of make a mess and with no accountability because they know we clean it. Right. But I think it's a, a very vital element in keeping downtown at least clean. Yeah. I definitely enjoy it. feels like I'm making a difference. Yeah. Even though I do the same thing every day basically <laughs> yeah, fair enough so i can i can see where your your frustration would come in then or you're you're pondering you're wondering to see if this is actually making a difference and, and lisa what what keeps you going in life right now my kids <laughs> my children i have hiccups <laughs> your children <laughs> yeah that's good that would keep you going that would keep my you kids going. keep me pretty occupied that's good so you've got work, you've got a place, you've got children at home, beautiful children, I, if I can just, just throw, that, throw that in there. And you've had a lot of life experience. I'm curious, Chris, I want to I pick up on, on the thing you said when you were describing your work, how sometimes you wonder if you're part of the problem in that you, you provide a service that means nobody has to be accountable for what, what they're doing. I want to talk about that a little bit. And I'm curious, not just about that specifically, but you guys have been in shelters. You've been through the homeless industry, if we can use that language. Uh, I, I'm curious about that a little bit, how, how you would, would think about that. Do you see that other places too? Or maybe you just want to reflect on your work? As far as for, I see it in other places too. I mean, everybody wants to help in a sense. You know, like everybody's quick to jump to help. And sometimes it's hard to figure out what's the best way to help. 
And so you get stuck in kind of like a, almost like a hospitality industry sort of sense hmm. where you may be just like cleaning up or serving or just trying to provide a need. But sometimes it becomes kind of almost like a crutch. Like everybody wants to like hand up, but it becomes kind of a handout. Hmm. And it's tough to kind of balance that, I think. Because, like, say take 188, for example. This space is absolutely 100% necessary. But it's almost up to the individual to choose how much you're going to use it and take advantage of the resources. And it can come to a point where you... Get lazy to help yourself. Yeah, you overuse it. Like, I know when I got homeless, if I could speak to experience here, um, there became a time where I was actually happy uh, walking around, picking up cigarette butts chilling with people that I met at the mission as opposed to trying to use the services there or elsewhere to help myself get a job and get myself on my feet Mm -hmm. because I had uh, plenty of food. There's really no reason if you're sort of motivated as a homeless person in Winnipeg to, you know, you shouldn't go hungry. I guess what I'm trying to say, there's plenty of places where you can get something to eat. But on the, the same token, there's also plenty of places to help you get a hand up. And it's easy to slip and just kind of wallow in your self-pity, at least for me. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, like, I'm broken right now. I might as well just stay broken. You know, it's it's easier. It's easier just to stay where you are and, like, the status quo as opposed to kind of change things. Right. And I think that works for an organizational level, too, where you get in this pattern of just kind of serving and providing a place for people to hang out as opposed to working to give people a hand up. Would you resonate with that, Lisa? Or, or what, are your, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Along? I think sometimes it's hard to like differentiate when too much help is offered. Okay. Like As opposed to say, this person needs this amount of help, but I'm going to overhelp them. Mm. And then it's like, okay, well, overhelping them just makes it easier for them to just do what they're doing. Right. Like some of us, myself, I know that that was a lot of my issues was okay well I have places I can go hang out and sit and like have coffee and eat and like nobody was there to be like hey you need to change what you're doing right it was always just here's here's help take it (laughs) right yeah and not like okay now's the time to smarten up just because you have this help doesn't mean you need to stay there like that was one of my one of my soapbox moments (laughs) so do you when you guys look back in your own history maybe together or maybe individually do you remember this moment where you can think of where you can look back on and say, okay, I actually, I'm receiving all the help I need. I've even had some doors open for me, but now I, I actually need to step through them. Do you have that in your own life, your own journey that you can recall? Or, I mean, because obviously you guys aren't homeless now. What, like what, what changed for you in that to, to break out of that, that cycle, out of that pattern? Austin. Yeah. Being pregnant with him. Oh, really? Not wanting to like lose my child for not having a place for him to stay. Okay. That was one of my moments. <laughs> actually, it was a lot of my moments. <laughs> yeah, so that was the motivation to say, okay, I've actually mm-hmm. got to take some real steps here. Because, okay, I have three other babies that I had to give up because I couldn't take care of them. And then when I got pregnant with Austin, it was like, do I really want another one like in the world somewhere that I'm not spending time with, that I'm not taking care of? So it was like, okay, it's time to be an adult. <laughs> yeah. You have like that childlike mentality, just sitting around doing nothing all day. And it's like, okay, here, look, you can be an adult and spend time with your child, or you can have somebody else take care of your child, and then you miss out. Yeah, I don't remember a specific moment, but I do remember, 
Well, I mean, I guess it is a specific moment, but there was many where I like, we got to go and we got to get a place. We have stuff to get ready. And I remember, was it Walls of Freedom? Yeah. <laughs> they have a, the, the fence used to not be as high as it is now. And uh, I remember helping boost Lisa when she was like a few months pregnant over the like little barrier six, that was there. So that, yeah. Climbing over that like big concrete wall just for some place to sleep was yeah. pretty depressing. And I know we definitely couldn't have reached where we are now without help, you know. Sure, yeah. Uh, when you start taking the handouts and really just accept the handups, you know, yeah. <laughs> then it, uh, it becomes a big difference. Actually, yeah. it makes a huge difference. Yeah. When it's like, you know, focused and I guess individual, but it's hard. What I'm hearing from you is that there, there is some internal motivation that needs to be part of this equation somewhere along the line to say that, I'm going to actually take responsibility for something here. I'm going to grow up, like, like you said, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah. think, I guess i gotta got to start being an adult at some point. I can't yeah. speak for everybody on that regard, but you have to figure it out for yourself, and you have to get motivated. Because I hit a pretty low point where, like I said, I was happy just to go around and pick up cigarette butts and right. eat free meals and have basically no self-determination, just kind of glide through it, you yeah. know, and be stuck right where I was. And then, yeah, basically when I found out that Lisa was pregnant, we were having our son, then something changed. A lot of things changed, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not you wanted them to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this is it, right? I mean, if we could name that, if we could say, and this is what it is, I mean, man alive, we could, that could change everything, right? But I think one of the things, and one of the reasons why we're doing this is we want people to understand, like it's, it's hard to know what it is that, how do you make that move? And I think you said it, Chris, how do you make that move from just apathetically just taking the handouts to all of a sudden, no, this is actually something that's helping me step out of where I am into something new. And that's a bit of a mystery, it seems, you know, that, what, what, that, what that is for each, each person. Yeah, it's definitely an individual thing, I think. Mm, yeah. Everybody's different. You just gotta wait for that point where hopefully you don't have to have to hit rock bottom. But for, for it to happen and want to turn around, but I guess if you do, there's nowhere to go but up. But, I mean, that's, that's how I felt at the point. Some of us hit rock bottom more than once, though. <laughs> yeah, you keep bouncing off the rocks. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I'm round. <laughs> <laughs> can we avoid it? Can you avoid rock bottom? That, that's another question I have. You can. It just depends on the person. Yeah. I'm like stubborn. I'm like very competitive. So when I hit rock bottom, I was like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you really have any choice. God has a plan for each and every single one of us. And if he wants you to hit rock bottom once, yeah, you're going to. twice, <laughs> 17 times, yeah, yeah. eventually you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like a lesson, right? And if you fail the lesson, you're pretty much doomed to keep repeating it. Sure. So... God will do that to you as many times as he has to. Until yeah. He'll you, keep painting yeah. into the corner until you listen. Yeah. <laughs> Not like he's like sadistic or anything. Just like, here, look, I keep telling you the way out. This is the way out. Right. Just listen to me. You have everything that you possibly need in me, and you need to just take it. And God <laughs> always invites us to participate mm. in it as well, right? So tell me what life is like as a couple living on the street, boosting your six-month pregnant wife over a barrier so you have a plate. What, what is life like? You're the first couple we have on. So it's what's, what's that like? a lot of tears. <laughs> what, okay, what do you mean by that? I cried a lot. I'm like, we're going to lose our kid. We're not going to be able to do this. We're not, like, moving forward from this. Yeah. Like, it was just a lot of, like, well, what are we supposed to do? Where do we go? Like, how do we get out of this? 
And when you're pregnant, your emotions are like really up and down all the time. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a ton of uncertainty. Part of it caused by the fact that I was having difficulty at the time securing funding or being able to put Lisa on my welfare file. Okay. They wanted to wait till she was six months pregnant, I believe. Yeah, yeah. six months pregnant. And I'm like, well, I need an income, like, now. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to feed myself or clothe myself? And they're like, well, how have you been feeding and clothing yourself up to this point? And it was like, like, shelters and missions and handouts. And he's like, well, can't you keep doing that? And I'm like, but I shouldn't have to. Right. Like, I'm right. sitting here ready to have a baby and you're not helping me. <laughs> so yeah. then you leave the office crying. Yeah, so with more tears. More tears. Yeah. So with Austin, even a lot of the stuff that I'm not going to say necessarily would be taken for granted, but like doctor's visits and materna and stuff like that, like I'm not, I don't even remember him really getting it. But, you know, you fight. Right. You know, you uh, make sure you get to, to extra meals if you can't and make sure that she's well-fed and warm and taken care of. And I was carrying around, what, like three or four blankets and pillows all wrapped, and wrapped up tarps. in a tarp and stuff like that. And I guess we could have been staying inside a shelter as opposed to staying outside, at least in the summertime. But right. you, it's easier to spend time together. Yeah. You know, you'd rather be together and not miss those moments when the baby kicks or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Sleeping on cement with a baby kicking was not no, I don't imagine that was comfortable. <laughs> I can't imagine, it wasn't yeah. comfortable, but I mean, like, he went above and beyond by carrying the extra blankets and extra pillows and stuff. Yeah, we used to carry that giant bag. blue roll <laughs> right. around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember, yeah. It yeah. broke Greg's heart, like, for real, to have to give us a tarp. Like, it was, like, the worst thing ever. He's like, I wish I could do more for I you. Know. Like, I know, I remember. I'm like, you did so much already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just even being here during the day with him was like one of those moments where you're like well these are the things that are more valuable to me is you spending time with me than just giving me the tarp like that was one of the things just listening to him like you guys can do this you guys yeah. have every like opportunity to get out of this mess yeah. and he was very like gracious with just the time that he spent with us yeah mm -hmm. which i think mattered a lot more to us than i can't give you a house but i'll give you a yeah. tarp <laughs> yeah well and 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 it's i think what's good to hear about that is that it's not just Here's a meal, here's some clothes, mm -hmm. here's a bed, but it's also let's sit together and and be with each other and be present together through this, right? I mean that's I think sometimes we can take that or not not give that the weight that it that it deserves. Well, judging by the amount of people in your office every time I walk in. <laughs> You're doing something, right? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're like moths to the flame, but that's the joy of being a servant, right? Like they're drawn to that light in you. So you guys have been sober for a while, and, and just as, you know, getting back on your feet and finding a place and that kind of thing, that pregnancy was a catalyst for that. Was that part of your catalyst for your sobriety, too, was, was the pregnancy? Yeah. That was our main goal, was to keep our kids with us. Okay. Because, like, me not having my other three was a lot of excuse as to why I was using, why I drank, or why I did drugs, or why I didn't even want to bother. Cause like waking up every day and not knowing where my kids are or if they're healthy or if they're sick or like not being able to hug them when they have a boo-boo or like rock them to sleep when they have nightmares like it was really hard yeah like i missed a lot of their life here you don't have your kids let's just get higher here you don't have your kids drink this beer so you'll feel better hmm. it's actually a really easy escape especially with crystal meth um because well i mean Basically, it lasts for a while, and... And it's so cheap. Yeah, it's cheap, and you don't feel anything. Mm. 
that's what it is. It's, it's, you're just trying to not have to face what you have to face. Yeah. You know, the, the, the reality of the situation. Yes, I'm homeless. Yes, I've had hurt in the past and a lot of hurt in a lot of people's cases. And it's, you can just get high. You basically live kind of extremely in the moment. You know, everything just seems to kind of last. And I don't know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to describe. Yeah. But you it's can like you can avoid that you can ignore for a while. Like it numbs your emotions, your feelings, like everything. You just ignore everything that's going around you, and then it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, hey, I gotta run away from these feelings again. Like it's right. So you do it again because you enjoyed the feeling of not having the feelings, yeah. and you yeah. know, not worrying about stuff being abused in the past or losing your kids to CFS or whatever your particular trauma might be, you can just avoid it just by getting high. When that runs out, you start feeling the feelings again, and so you do it again. And then eventually you need more, and that's the whole cycle of abuse, right? You, you run out, you need more, you run out, you need more. And just most, yeah, that's what it was for us, was just to try to avoid real life, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of how much you run away from your feelings, they always come back. Like they come back, back worse and yeah. worse, and then you need more drugs and more like right. substances, whatever they are. And that's the almost demonic cycle of addiction, isn't yeah. it? That your your body actually adjusts to mm-hmm. it to say that what you used last time, you're going to need more of it next like time. We were doing copious amounts of drugs, like a normal person taking the amounts that we took like would probably overdose. <laughs> yeah. Like wow. there was there was a day there 92 days straight. Oh like my goodness. just being high and like not in touch with who I am as a person. Right. Sitting there all like, well, I got drugs in my system. Let's go do this or let's go find some more even though you have like a whole bunch in front of you. It was really depressing and hard. Hmm. And so pregnancy comes along and it's like, okay, we've got like you, like you said, we've got to guess we've got to be an adult now. <laughs> and and your sobriety is part of that. So what kind of elements were important then in you becoming sober? Was it simply we've got to do this or what other things came alongside you in that? I think it was more of just a reinforcement because we'd already kind of made the decision to sober up. Like I sobered up a little bit before Lisa. Okay. That, that was more faith-based, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It was that moment where King Jesus was like, okay. Time to move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whether or not you want to, here, look. That's actually the one exciting thing about it. Sorry to kind of go off on a tangent, but it doesn't really matter where you are. We're mm-hmm. supposed to bring our weakness. Yeah. So when you're at rock bottom and all you have is weakness, that's, I think, why he specifically chose to broke me, break me. Okay. Was, yeah. you know, there was always pride. And there still is pride. I struggle with pride. Yeah. Has your faith in Jesus always, like, how long has that been part of your guys' life? Was that, like, growing up? Is that, is that not more... Not growing up for me, not at no? all. Like, no? Like, I've had terrible run-ins with, like, church people. Like, a big pastor. I don't want to name names or anything from, like, a church here in Winnipeg. He actually, okay. like, rubbed himself on my elbow. Okay. And when I was like, okay, you're making me uncomfortable. Can you please stop that? My own family was like, Lisa, stop that. You're making him, like, feel bad. And he was like, no, no, it's okay. We'll just pray for her. Ugh. Are you kidding me? Like, Ugh. you are supposed to be a carrier of the message of God, and this is how you're behaving. Yeah. Like, that was, like, one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, okay, if this is what he has to offer me, I don't want it. Right. Not realizing that it wasn't actually him doing this. Right. Yeah, for me, I guess uh, my grandparents and my great-grandparents on different sides of my family <laughs> were 
quite religious. But my grandparents on the other side, they took us to church every once in a while. You know, we definitely ended up in church on Easter and Christmas and I went to catechism, stuff like that, you know, so I had like a, a rough idea. Uh, high school that changed a little bit, I started attending a church and then just weird stuff kind of happened in the church and I just kind of fell away and looked at random different things. Okay. Now, Lisa, I know one of the things you like to do is you like reading the scriptures. Oh, I love reading scriptures. And you like, you, you have creative approaches to your reading, right? Whether it be, uh, I know you have some, what are they called? Drawing Bibles? Like that is your <laughs> journaling, journaling, Bibles. journaling Bibles, but also coloring, right? And that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Talk about that a bit, the significance of, of, of the, the scripture in. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. In the ancients, though, like in the Old Testament, when they had an encounter with the Lord, they piled rocks. Right. And yeah. that was their like, this is where I met him. This is where he came and talked to me. This is like my monument to our conversation. Right. So with my art and like journaling and stuff like that, I present a physical manifestation of my conversations, my prayers with the Lord in my Bible. Cool. So that's like, if you come across a page, it has like a flame or something. That's where he met me. Yeah. Like that's my memorial to our conversations. Yeah. So it's a lot easier for me to understand and pray and just be quiet when I'm creating, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never actually explained it that way before, but that's... That makes sense to me. Yeah, I think of actually if you'd explain that like that, <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever saw it, I probably wouldn't tease you so much about coloring in your book. But, but uh, it, is, it is neat. So you've known, you've known God for a long time. At least you've had some, some experiences in the church that, I'm, that make me really sad and are, are too prevalent uh, for people who proclaim mm-hmm. Jesus. And yet here you are. Even before, like, I can remember, he's always been there. Like, there are things in my life that without him, I probably wouldn't have overcome, like, just abuse and traumas. Like, he meets you right where you're at. And certain people, like myself, I know... I needed a lot of pushing, (laughs) like a lot of breaking points, a lot of, uh, what is the word? Coaxing? (laughs) Yeah, coaxing definitely works, yeah. And that's, I think that's really important to hear because, like you say, you talk about hitting rock rock bottom, right? Mm -hmm. And to encounter actually at rock bottom, or to discover at rock bottom, this is, I'm actually encountering Jesus here. Like this. Mm -hmm. His love is all encompassing and really nothing changes about it. It's your awareness of it that changes and your understanding right. of it that changes. And I think that's what makes a difference. Whether it was the car accident I was in in high school where everybody walked out of it when we flipped over like four times and even skipped over a fence on the other side of a ditch and ended up 50 yards into a field. There was a moment where the car was just kind of teetering and it could have rolled either way back onto its wheels or back onto like the roof. And it stopped and paused, and it felt almost like it tipped the one way and then went back the other way. Mm. And we were able to open the doors, and the worst injury anybody had was a concussion out of the five of us in the car, and one guy stubbed his finger. You may not have realized it at the time, but he was, like, directly involved there looking after you. And years later, when you look back at things in your life, and you're like, oh, man, that hockey puck that almost hit me in the head or, you know, (laughs) like different little things. And it's in everybody's lives and we just don't realize that he's there. You know, kind of like that footprint in the sand poem or whatever. He's like, I was carrying you. That's why there's only one set of footprints. 
you are a very blessed person, I think, if you realize every moment where the Lord stepped in for you, which mm -hmm. was really your entire life. Yeah. Um, if you can reach that realization at an early age, I think you're a very, very blessed person. It's you probably know. a little bit of what's in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed, mm -hmm. blessed are the poor in spirit. And it's not that they're poor in spirit that makes them blessed. It's blessed when you recognize that even though this isn't a great place where you are, you're still there with Jesus. Jesus is still there. The love of God is still there. It's constant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm able to notice him more when I'm in like that sad state or in my rock bottom. Yeah. Like that's where I find him the most. Like it's not when I'm like joyous and happy and bubbly. It's when I'm like sad and like in tears because my kids don't want to listen or like I'm in tears because something has triggered a memory from my past. That's where I find him the most. Like, that's where I learn the most or that's where I'm like able to see how he moves better than when that's I'm cool. like, he, 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 yay, it's another day to rejoice in. Yeah. As you guys look at, as you guys look down the road, what, what lies ahead for you? You've come a long way, had a lot of different life experience. You're in, I think, it seems like a, a good space right now. What, what lies ahead for you guys? Well, I think first thing, I guess you got to say is God willing. Because yeah, again, if sure. it's not his plan for you, then regardless, happen. yeah. <laughs> you can kick and scream all you want. <laughs> so, I mean, what I would, I guess, hope to see is we need a little bit of a bigger place. It would be nice to have three rooms so that we could have a place to sleep as well. Uh, I see. So, or three bedrooms. Yeah, yeah. So I guess hopefully maybe a different vehicle. Um, okay. I've been very blessed to been given one by my mom. <laughs> nice. And so, but a little bit of a bigger one that I don't have to squeeze into would be nice. Yeah. An opportunity to continue to provide safety for my children and my family. Yeah the ability to be able to reach out safely to be able to like speak with people and stuff like that I mean, the pandemic makes things like that tough so what does that's a good that's a good question what does ministry look like for you guys at this not only the, the fact that we're in a pandemic with all these restrictions not only the fact that you have two young kids which demand a lot of a time time and attention mm -hmm. but just for who you are in terms of your personality as a couple what what does ministry or mission it's what, what does a lot it look like? of like messenger and emails and stuff to people like i get a lot of phone calls to people crying wanting to like kill themselves and stuff and okay. like it's hard because i'm still learning yeah but then he's like okay listen what did i tell you when you were feeling that way right and then i have to like not interpret that but like repeat that to somebody else and then they're like, well, why can't you just listen to me? Well, I had to listen to this too. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not yeah. like I was just like, here you go. Everything's perfect now. You need to go and tell everybody else. No, it's like you have to work at it every single day. And then they're like, well, fine. You don't want to listen to my sadness. I didn't say I didn't want to listen to your sadness. I'm giving you the way out. <laughs> right. Or I'm trying to help you find the way yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. not necessarily giving. Telling you this we... is what's going to heal you. <laughs> what's something that you would want people who are listening to know about your journey? I think one thing, I guess, for us would be you just can't really give up on people because I'm pretty sure there were a lot of people who wrote us off, including ourselves, yeah. probably even family. You can't really give up on yourself either because you, again, have the opportunity to do better for yourself. And it's important to remember, too, that you probably will need a hand up they say it takes a village to raise a child or whatever. And the same sort of thing is basically the same when you're low. You know, it, it takes multiple hands. If, if I sat here and said that I did it all myself, 
I think you'd probably throw me out the building because you were directly involved <laughs> in helping me. Greg, yeah. Rob, every, every volunteer you've mm -hmm. ever had here that cooked a meal that I ate yeah. or was a part of or every barbecue that you guys had or every mm -hmm. person that's ever volunteered at Salon Mission while I lived there mm -hmm. for like just about five years. Hands of hope, welfare, even the government. It's, you have to recognize the fact that a lot of people were involved and it probably took a heck of a lot of cash and resources to get me back <laughs> on my feet that I wasn't even aware of. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to respect, like for that person that's coming up or at least looking back on it now, it's a, it was important for me to show respect and to continue to show respect for the organizations and the mm -hmm. people that helped us along. Yeah, that's cool, that's a good comment. I think something I'd like, say if I had to sit and talk to myself 10 years ago, I'd be like, look, you're not special. <laughs> like these gifts are available to everyone not just you so it's not like a sense of entitlement like oh I deserved all this mm -hmm. like it's like you have something given to you that doesn't mean that you're you shouldn't expect it like it, it's nice to be helped but don't yeah. sit there and be like well you have to help me to get out of this right like it's not just I'm gonna do all this work for you <laughs> yeah and I think when I look at who you guys are and I look at where where you've come from and where you are now, mm -hmm. you know, and you're right, there's a lot of resources that go into helping people get back on their feet. And, and probably, not even probably, I would, I would say that where you're at now, and I, when I look at you guys here, I mean, this is best way to respond to that, right? And that's the beautiful thing about your story is, is that it's, you recognize there's been a lot of people along the way and you've responded to it, and, and you're, you're living well, and that's beautiful. I love it. I think it. King Jesus placed a lot of people in our past. Absolutely. Like, not Absolutely. just so that we could use them, but so that they're, like, relationships that help build yeah. build us up. This common grace that's been given. Like you said, it's not like just Paul, you, but... when he would go and, like, minister to people and just tell the word, that's, like, how he placed people in our lives. The yeah. same way, like, throughout, like, journeys and, like, shipwrecked and lost at sea and beaten and stoned and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's all these people there like here look this is what you're missing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I uh, when as a kid I was kind of suicidal mm. like I I traced out in my head the amount of steps I could do with my eyes closed to the knife mm -hmm. drawer and stuff like that and there was a lot of, a lot of trouble mm. but uh, you know he like you said he put people in my life at the right time mm -hmm. Uh, I never knew my dad, so my grandfather became one of my father figures. Mm -hmm. and, and if not for the, the people who uh, who God placed in my path at those times, I'm not sure that it probably wouldn't have turned out the way it has. Well, Chris and Lisa, this has been great. I'm, I'm really appreciative of you being willing to share your story and your thoughts and your journey. I mean, I appreciate who you guys are. Still a work in progress. Still a work in progress. That's okay. We all <laughs> There's are. There's lots to learn. We still. all are. That's That's a good thing. I think it's good to recognize that. But I'm, I'm grateful for how God has worked in your lives and that our paths have crossed however many years ago and that they continue to cross. And we want to pray God's blessing on you guys and your beautiful little family. It's good. <laughs> so thanks for taking time today. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks for giving us the opportunity. It's, it's nice to share every once in a while. Yeah. It's, it's hard sometimes, but <laughs> it, even in itself, it's healing because you can look back and yeah. just kind of at a distance now. I almost cried. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Yes, thank you for having us. Okay, thanks. Thanks for taking time to listen today. Feel free to connect with me over what you've heard on this podcast. 
or even if you're just wondering about 180 Community Church in downtown Winnipeg. And just so you know that even with the restrictions that are placed on us by by COVID, we have uh, many volunteer opportunities for people to consider. So if that's something you're interested in, or if you just have questions, or you'd like to respond to what you've heard, you can email me at dave at 188.org. That's D-A-V-E at O-N-E-8-8 dot O-R-G. Or check out our website, www.188.org. Thanks again for listening. Much grace and peace to you as you go about your day.